Before this week's episode, we just want to talk about all the wonderful ways you can support the South Congress podcast via Patreon. At $1 a month, you get access to our post-show content tier. Patrons at this tier get to hear additional audio from all of our South Congress, Goose Down, and Special Edition pods. At $5 a month, you get to be part of our Watch Party tier. Whenever we do a movie watch-along or a Goosebumps watch-along, you'll be given access to the video. And at $10 a month, you'll get to be part of our merch giveaway tier, where every month we'll give any patron at that tier something from one of our online stores, whether it be TeePublic, Redbubble, or Teespring, to show our appreciation for their support. Thank you guys for supporting the show. The South Congress podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. So welcome back for most. Welcome to the first time for some to The Goose Down, a podcast on the South Congress Podcast Network, where I review each and every one of R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. This week, we're going to be covering book 10 entitled The Ghost Next Door. Now, um, this is one of my favorite cover arts. Um, it kind of shows someone opening their door. Um, and you see it from the ghost's perspective, as a matter of fact. They're standing on a welcome mat. Um, they're kind of translucent. And the book cover says, there's a strange new kid on the block. And we'll just actually read the blurb. Um, it starts, how come I've never seen you before? Hannah's neighborhood has just gotten a little weird. Ever since that boy moved in next door. But when did he move in? Wasn't the house empty when Hannah went to sleep the night before? Why does it still look deserted? She's not getting any answers from her new neighbor. He just keeps disappearing in the oddest ways. And he's so pale. Is Hannah being haunted by the ghost next door? Um, you know, we've done Monster Blood. And we've done, like, Welcome to Dead House. And we've done Night of the Living Dummy. And, you know, those are all, like, these super iconic books. And we have The Haunted Mask, like, coming up after this. And it, seriously, um, maybe it's, um, you know, taking a week or two off. Um, maybe it's recency bias. But this might be the best book in the series so far. Um, you know, if you've seen The Sixth Sense, you've read this book, more or less. Um, 
And there are a lot of clues kind of throughout the book to let you know kind of how it's going to play out. But remember, you know, this is 1993. So this is well before we've had that Sixth Sense story kind of play out. Um, So let's start by talking about the protagonist. Um, It's Hannah Fairchild. She's 12 years old. Um, Really vivid imagination. Um, she seems to be in her head a lot with her thoughts, kind of more so than any of the other protagonists. Um, not very sure of her emotions and senses and surroundings um, and it kind of increases as the story goes on. Um, so she's spending the summer at home. All of her friends are either on vacation or away at camp. And the reason being, her parents have stated that they can't actually afford to send her to camp uh, this summer. She has two twin little brothers named Bill and Herb, who are six years old, who are troublemakers, but not like in a bad way. Like they just play like little boys play and knock things over and laugh and find each other hilarious. So it's, it's really sweet. Um So the story actually opens with Hannah having like this crazy nightmare about um, being in her room, um, the entire room burning down, flames everywhere, stuff being charred, and she can't seem to escape it. Then you have her shake out of the dream. And this is where she starts to kind of describe um, what's going on in her life, like her summer, you know, why her friends aren't around. So she writes letters to her friends. And they don't seem to be writing her back. Then I kind of want to read um, a couple of the letters in full so you can get kind of a feel for what she's experiencing. Um, Here's the one from the beginning of the story. Dear Janie, I hope you're having a good time at camp, but not too good because you broke your promise. You said that you'd write me every day. And so far, I haven't received a crummy postcard. I am so bored. I don't know what to do. You can't imagine how little there is to do in Greenwood Falls when no one is around. It's really like death. I watch TV and I read a lot. Do you believe I've read all the books on our summer reading list? Dad promised to take us all camping in Miller Woods. Big thrill. But he's been working just about every weekend, so I don't think he will. Boring. Last night I was so bored, I marched the twins outside and built a little campfire behind the garage And pretended we were away at camp and told them a bunch of scary ghost stories. The boys wouldn't admit it, of course. But I could tell they seemed to enjoy it. But you know how ghost stories freak me out. I started seeing weird shadows and things moving behind the trees. It was kind of hilarious, I guess. I totally scared myself. Don't laugh, Janie. You don't like ghost stories either. My only other news is that a new boy moved into the Dodson's old old house next door. His name's Danny, and he's our age. He has red hair and freckles, and he's kind of cute, I think. I've only seen him once. Maybe I'll have to report about him later. But now it's your turn to write. Come on, Janie. You promised. Have you met any cute guys at camp? Is that why you're too busy to write to me? If I don't hear from you, I hope you get poison ivy all over your body, especially in the places where where you can't scratch. Love, Hannah. So like, you kind of get a feel for who she is, like very in tune with her friends, um, not excited about the idea of being alone, like wants to be involved in their lives. Um, and that just makes this whole story sadder. <laughs> You'll see it kind of as we go through it. So, 
you know, she meets this boy Danny next door, like she described. Um, saw him really quickly, had a fast conversation. She looked up and he was gone. And so that's really the crux of their first meeting. So what you get a lot from her is that, you know, her she has two twin brothers. Um, they're twins. You know, they're six years younger than her. They're six years old. Um, her mom always seems to be preoccupied. So she, you know, she's not their age, doesn't have the same interest. So she spends a lot of time like leaving the house, going into town, trying to see what's going on. And she gives really great descriptions of the place where they live. Um, so she goes into town. She sees that her new neighbor, Danny, is with two other boys. And they're arguing with Mr. Chesney. Mr. Chesney is a post office worker who is not a fan of kids, like always seems to be super mean to kids and carries himself at this really high standard. He's very high strung. And he always says, like, I'm a federal worker, you know, I'm working for the post office. So he feels like he demands a certain amount of respect. He's so mean that like even the decent kids plot one Halloween to vandalize his house (laughs) and they all pull up to the house and he's outside with a shotgun just to make sure nobody plays with him. So uh, you get a feel for kind of who this guy is. So, you know, she sees, you know, Danny around town, um, sees him with his friends, doesn't actually say anything to him, um, observes them and leaves as she's going home. Um, she swears that there's like a tall, slim figure that's calling her name, Hannah, Hannah. Um, but she convinces herself she's just being tricked by the leaves and the trees and the bushes and her being alone. A few days after this, she goes to talk to, Jan- to talk to Danny to get to know him. He's like, what school do you go to? Or she says, what school do you go to? He's like, uh, I go to, you know, the middle school in town. She's like, that's where I go. Like, what grade are you in? Going to eighth grade. That's where I'm going. Like, how have I never seen you at school? He's like, my friends go there, too. Like, I don't understand why you've never seen me. Um, So she can't really make sense of that. He's actually throwing, like, a tennis ball against his house. Because, again, in 1993, you know, you can't just turn on the iPad and do 15,000 things. Not everybody just has a personal computer they sit on all day. You're either playing with your Nintendo, you're, you're playing with your friends, or you're throwing a ball up against your house. So he throws it and throws it and throws it, throws it too high one time, and he loses the ball on his roof. You know, not scared at all, he immediately grabs a ladder, climbs the ladder to get it, and he slips off and he starts to fall. Hannah closes her eyes in fear, like she cringes and does not want to see this. When she looks up, though, he's standing there and he's just fine and she cannot make sense of it. She's like, you were about to fall on your head. Like, how is this working? And his excuse is like, my mom always says I should join the circus. Like, she calls me daredevil. Like, nothing bad ever happens to me. Um, I'm always in these crazy situations and everything comes out okay." So she's kind of weary of like his situation and his history and his excuses at this point. Um, but before she can really get any more information, she has to leave to go watch her brothers because her mom has to run out and they play shoots and ladders and, and to kind of express their sense of humor. They say, hey, can we cheat? <laughs> and then one twin says, hey, can we cheat? And the other one's like, yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, Bill and Herb, who, you know, have the two oldest man names I've ever heard for children. But, yeah, Bill and Herb decide that they're going to cheat. So similar to when we read The Girl Who Cried Monster. Hannah's made it up in her mind that she's going to spy on Danny to figure out exactly like what his secrets are. 
So her suspecting him of being something other than human, she decides, you know, he says we go to the same school. I've never seen him. He seems to be just fine um, when he should be in danger. He seems to disappear at random. I bet he's a ghost because, you know, 12 year olds have this wild imagination. Like, I bet he's a ghost. She goes over to the house and like looks through the uh, through the window to try to figure out, you know, what's going on inside his house. And she looks and it's just Danny there and his mom's there. She's making dinner and he kind of puts his face up against the glass too to kind of mess with her. And he's like, hey, what do you want? And she's startled. And she's like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And so she leaves. Um, so she goes home. She has a dream that the dark figure that's chasing her is actually Danny. And she's like, oh, it's just my imagination. Like if I'm dreaming about this, like clearly this is just all in my head. So one thing she draws attention to again is that at this point, none of her friends have reached out to her at all. Like nobody's checked on her. So this is the second letter that she ends up writing Janie. Dear Janie, how are you? I seriously hope you fall in the lake and drown. That would be the only good excuse for not writing to me all this time. How could you abandon me here like this? Next summer, one way or the other, I'm going to camp with you. Things are definitely weird around here. Do you remember I told you about that boy who moved in next door? His name is Danny Anderson, and he's kind of cute. He has red hair and freckles and serious brown eyes. Well, don't laugh, Janie, but I think Danny's a ghost. I can hear you laughing, but I don't care. By the time you get back to Greenwood Falls, I'm going to have proof. Please, don't tell the other girls in your bunk that your best friend has totally freaked until you read the rest of this. Here's my evidence so far. One, Danny and his family suddenly appeared in the house next door. I didn't see them move in, even though I've been home every day. Neither did my parents. Danny says he goes to Maple Avenue and says he's going to eighth grade just like us. But how come we've never seen him? He hangs out with two boys I've never seen before, and I don't know any of his friends. Number three, sometimes he vanishes. Poof. Just like that. Don't laugh. And once he fell off the roof and landed on his feet without making a sound. I'm serious, Janie. Yesterday, I was being chased by a scary shadow, and I fell off my bike. And when I looked up, the shadow was gone, and Danny was standing in his place. And, uh uh-oh. This is starting to sound really crazy. I wish you were here so I could explain it better. It all sounds so dumb in a letter. Like I'm really messed up or something. I know you're laughing at me. Well, go ahead. Maybe I won't mail this letter. I mean, I don't want you to make jokes or remind me of it for the rest of my life. So enough about me. How's it going out there in the woods? I hope you were bitten by a snake and your entire body swelled up. And that's why I haven't heard from you. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you when I get back. Really? Right. Love, Hannah. So, after she finishes this, Danny shows up and demands that Hannah gives him the letter. It's then she realizes, again, she's having a dream and her brothers woke her up. But she did actually write this letter. Um, so, she goes to Danny's door and she sees his mom. 
So she knocks on the door, starts to call his mom's name, and there's no reaction. So her conclusion is that his mom must be a ghost, and that's why she can't respond. So they totally weirded out. She decides to go to town again out of nowhere. She's just knocked over on the street in town by Mr. Harder. And Mr. Harder works at the town ice cream parlor. Um, he's chasing Danny and his friends because they stole ice cream cones without paying. So, again, at this point, I, I already drew, you know, the reference to the sixth sense early on. Nobody outside of Danny or her immediate family seemed to acknowledge that Han is even there ever. So, you know, boys being how some boys can be in a summer where there's nothing to do. They're looking to get into even more trouble. They want to steal Mr. Chesney's mailbox. So the postal worker who hates kids and totes a shotgun, they think it would be funny to steal his mailbox of all people's. As Hannah observes this, the figure appears again. And she all of a sudden loses consciousness. Um, But she recovers in time to see the boys try to steal the mailbox only to be caught by Chesney. Um, Though he tells him, like, yo, um, he wrestles the uh, the mailbox away from Danny and pushes him off. And his friends are like, yo, we really got to get him back. And Danny's like, yo, I think we should leave him alone. Like, he really did kind of hurt me. Um, As Danny's friends leave, Hannah catches up with him. And she's like, yo, I saw everything. And, yo, not only did I see what you did, but for some reason, your mom did not acknowledge I was there. Like, what's really going on? And then she feels like an idiot when she finds out that his mom's actually deaf. So (laughs) she's kind of embarrassed at this point. Um, They end up uh, saying goodbye to each other. And then the dark figure shows up in real life, in person, and tells her to stay away from Danny. So she does not know what to think of all this, right? She sees him the next day and she says, Danny, are you a ghost? Like, I feel like you're dancing around me asking you these questions. And he's like, no, I'm not a ghost. What are you talking about? Maybe you're the ghost because he has been secretly trying to make sense of her existence. She tries to help him up um, when he falls down while they're playing and her hands go right through him. This is when she figures it out. Danny's not the ghost. She's the ghost. Earlier in the story, there's a lady named Mrs. Quilty, who is her neighbor who spends a lot of time outside. One time when she was going into town, she said hi to Mrs. Quilty. Mrs. Quilty did not acknowledge her, and she thought it was just the rudest thing in the whole world. So... She sees Mrs. Quilty talking to a lady she doesn't know. This is when Mrs. Quilty explains the situation. She says nobody's lived in Hannah's house. Um, What happened was, if you remember that first letter, Hannah and her brothers made a campfire in the backyard of their house and they told ghost stories. Turns out the fire went out of control. Um, They didn't put it all the way out before they went to sleep. And they woke up and the house was burning down and nobody got out of the house. Like super sad story. So after she hears this story, she looks around and realizes that her parents aren't there. Her brothers aren't there. 
the belongings she recognized in the house weren't there. She sees a phone, picks up the phone, and there's no dial tone. Um, and it's just, even though we've had like real danger and even ghosts in some of these stories, it's just the saddest thing ever. Like her coming to this realization that, you know, everything she knows is gone, especially like at 12 years old and thinking about her brothers being six-year-old twins and, you know, a life cut short is just always so sad. So, um, so yeah, so to, before I get sad, let's, let's kind of keep going with the story. So now Danny wants nothing to do with her. You know, after the experience of passing through her, you know, she goes outside to try to talk to him because for some reason they still have this connection and he asks to be left alone. She remembers that he was planning to go and meet his two buddies. So now they successfully rip Mr. Chesney's mailbox off of the stand and that's not enough for them. So they wander into his house and they start to play with matches. She tries to stop him and she gets stuck in a garden hose. So certain things in the physical world still affect her. She's worried about them. Um, She sees the smoke and realizes they set fire to the house. And that dark figure comes back one more time. And he's yelling for her to stay away from Danny. She notices that the two friends get out of the house, but Danny seems to be trapped inside of the house. The dark figure says, you won't save Danny. And as she fights to get away from him, she knocks the dark figure's cloak off and it's Danny. So the best way to explain this, um, I'll just kind of give you all of chapter four, which is our chapter 24, which is like a paragraph because Arl Stein does what he wants. Hannah stared in horror and disbelief, struggling to breathe. The sour odor choked her. The darkness continued to wrap around her, holding her prisoner. Danny grinned back at her with the same glowing red eyes as before he'd been unmasked. No, Hannah cried, her voice a hoarse whisper, tight with fear. It isn't you, Danny, is it? A cruel smile played over the figure's glowing face. I'm Danny's ghost, he declared. Ghost? Hannah tried to pull back, but the darkness held her tightly. I am Danny's ghost. When he dies in the fire, I will no longer be a shadow. I will be born, and Danny will go to the shadow world in my place. So, you know, this is kind of a playoff of Let's Get Invisible. The fact that mirrors of the same being exist, but only one can exist in the normal space. Um, So, yeah, let me finish this. Um, No, no, Hannah shrieked, raising her fist in front of her. No. Danny will not die. I won't let him. Danny's ghost opened his mouth and uttered a foul-smelling laugh. You too late, Hannah, he sneered. Too late. So her realizing she's a ghost, um, she busts through the ghost Danny and fights through the flames to rescue the real Danny. And she is able to save him. And right after she saves him, she passes out again. So if you aren't, like, already super sad, um, you know, I'm going to give you the entirety of chapter 26, because I think that the words kind of explain best where we've been and where we're going as far as a protagonist and with the story. This is after Danny's been rescued. Um, the paramedics, EMTs show up, the fire department's there and Danny's deemed to be safe from recovering. 
Danny's mother leaned over him, pulling the light blanket up to his chest. How are you feeling? She asked softly. It was two hours later. Danny had been treated by the paramedics who arrived shortly after the firefighters. They told his worried mother that he was suffering from smoke inhalation and a few minor burns. After treating the burns, they drove Danny and Mrs. Anderson home in an ambulance. Now Danny lay in bed, staring up at her, still feeling groggy and dazed. Mrs. Quilty stood anxiously around the corner, her arms clasped tensely in front of her, looking on in silence. She hurried over to see what the commotion was. I'm okay, I guess, Danny said, pulling himself up a bit on the pillow. I'm just a little tired. His mother pushed back a lock of blonde hair off her forehead as she stared down at him, reading his lips. How did you ever get out? How did you get out of the house? It was Hannah, Danny told her. Hannah pulled me out. Who? Mrs. Anderson nodded her face in confusion. Who is Hannah? You know, Danny replied impatiently, the girl next door. There's no girl next door, his mother said. Is there, Molly? She turned to read Mrs. Quilty's lips. Mrs. Quilty shook her head. The house is empty. Danny sat up straight. Her name's Hannah Fairchild. She saved my life, Mom. Mrs. Quilty tisked tisked sympathetically. Hannah Fairchild is the girl who died five years ago, she said quietly. Poor Danny is a bit delirious, I'm afraid. Just slide back, Danny's mother said, gently pushing him back onto the pillow. Get some rest. You'll be fine. But where's Hannah? Hannah's my friend, Danny insisted. Hannah watched the scene from the doorway. The three people in the room couldn't see her, she realized. She had saved Danny's life. And now the room and the people in it were growing faint, fading to gray. Maybe that's why my family and I came back after five years, Hannah thought. Maybe we came back to save Danny from dying in a fire as we did. Hannah. Hannah, a voice called to her. A sweet, familiar voice from far away. Is that you, Mom? Hannah called. Time to come back, Mrs. Fairchild whispered. You must leave now, Hannah. It's time to come back. Okay, Mom. She gazed into the bedroom at Danny lying peacefully on his pillow. He was fading away now, fading to gray. Hannah squinted into the solid grayness. The house, she knew, was fading. The earth was fading from her sight. Come back, Hannah, her mother whispered. Come back to us now. Hannah could feel herself floating now. As she floated, she gazed down, her last look at the earth. I can see Mom, she said excitedly, brushing the tears off her cheeks. I can see Danny in his room, but the light is getting faint, so faint. Hannah, come back. Come back to us, her mother whispered, calling her home. Danny, remember me, Hannah cried, as Danny's face appeared clearly. So, yeah, um... That's, <laughs> that's a lot. It's, it's a pretty heavy story. Um, a good story at that. Like, like a very good story. Um, yeah, and I'll just kind of finish that up. 
Danny, remember me, Hannah cried, as Danny's face appeared clearly in the misty gray. Could he hear her? Could he hear her calling to him? She hoped so. Yeah, so, um, you know, again, pardon me for getting emotional over this children's book, but I thought it was um, it's really good storytelling. Um, it takes you on a ride from, you know, fear of like the traditional horror story to fear that your protagonist won't find themselves and won't have closure on a situation. And, you know, for her to you know, save her new friend, um, for her to be fearless in a situation where she should have nothing but fear. Um, it was really cool. Like when she goes in to try to save him, like she, she even says herself, like I'm a ghost so I can do things that people can't. Like she develops, you know, that confidence to go in there and save him and burst through flames and oh, just the ride they take you on from that first letter to, you know, her getting back to her family and, him being safe and her not letting the same thing that happened to her happen to him. Just just a really fun read. Um, you know, I hope more of the books do not do this to me. I don't want to get emotional over over these books as I'm trying to explain them to you guys. Uh, but yeah, um, The Ghost Next Door, book number 10 in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. We'll be back next week to talk about, you know, one of those books that's kind of a, a pantheon story in the the Goosebumps lore, and that's The Haunted Mask. Um, you know, I think as a, as a two-part series, The Haunted Mask and The Haunted, the Haunted Mask Part 2 are some of my favorite stories. Just, uh, you know, gotta love Carly Beth. Like, that name is always going to stick with me. I think it's the best translation of book to TV that they've done. So, so yeah, I'll be back to read that next week. Um, if I know there's not always a whole bunch of... Or, or, complete crossover between people who listen to the goose down and people who listen to the South Congress podcast, the podcast we do about the week in pop culture and sports and sometimes politics and personal lives. Um, I strongly recommend that if you only listen to the goose down, please listen to this week's South Congress podcast where I explain about my car being stolen and returned and just the adventure that I had with that. So again, um, thank you guys for joining us. Um, South Congress podcast, Network presents The Goose Down, where I review each and every one of Arl Stein's classic Goosebump series. Um, thank you for joining me this week for The Ghost Next Door. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and I appreciate your time.